Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened. And we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged. And we love you. God bless. our Father, and He is in control. And we worship you for that today, dear God. And I pray, Lord, that you would have your way in this place. Speak to your people's hearts. Touch and change lives as only you can, Lord, and anoint this place with the power of your Holy Spirit, dear God, to work in people's hearts and lives as only you can, dear God. Have your way in this place, God. I, for one, surrender to you today and ask you to have your way. And I ask that every person in this place would have that same attitude of surrender to you and ask you to have your way. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning. I'm so glad y'all are here. Um, Has anyone ever called you a liar when you weren't lying? How'd that feel? You hate that, right? I've struggled in the past with this topic because I never wanted to be disingenuous. I want to be a pastor who is the same up here as I am out there, and I never want anyone to question my motives. That's never more true than when I talk about tithes and offerings because, frankly, we have... There's been a lot of untruth told about what tithes and offerings are all about. And there is a distrust among people when a pastor stands up and starts talking about money. And so I need to, you know, I usually start these messages with a cute little story, make you laugh, make you giggle. I'm not doing that today because I don't know that I'm going to talk to you about anything as serious as I'm going to talk about today. And you say, Dwayne, money really doesn't have anything to do with the gospel. I'm going to tell you that you're wrong. Um, I'm going to unapologetically tell you that you're wrong. You know, Jesus talked about money as much as he talked about anything else. And here's why. For some reason, money or generosity is the last stronghold in many people's lives. You know, we'll, <clears throat> we'll, we'll let God control us when it comes to uh, addictions or behavior or other, you know, different kinds of sin. But we push back here. And so what I'm going to tell you, the onset of this message, is I believe everything that I'm going to tell you today to be 100% true. Not because I just read it in a book. Listen, not just because I read it in the Bible, but because it's worked for me and my family. And so if you push back on anything I say today, it doesn't hurt my feelings. If you push back on anything I say today and you want to question me, and you want to call me and say, Dwayne, I really don't believe what you said about 
I'll be happy to have a conversation with you. That being said, here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. I'm, I'm going to ask you to put aside some preconceived notions. And I'm not going to start this message by beating you up. I'm going to start this message by thanking you. Because in our church, there are a lot of generous people. People who allow us to do as a church what, frankly, we shouldn't be able to do. I had a, one of the members of our leadership team call me back before the first of the year and said, Dwayne, I think we need to be more generous as a church. By the way, that's, that's the kind of leaders you want. You don't, you don't want those leaders that are going to call and say, we need to be more stingy. Hey, I've been in that elder board meeting, by the way. That's not what you want. And so we made a decision as a leadership team to start sending some money every month, a percentage of our income every month to an organization that planted 700 churches. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 700 spirit-filled churches last year. And so listen to me. Every dollar you put into that offering bag or, or that you donate online goes to help plant life-giving, spirit-filled churches all across this world. That's a good thing, y'all. So what I'm, what I'm going to tell you today is, is what I've learned as a man and what we're learning as a church. These principles that I'm going to talk to you about work. All right? Last week I said what you believe about money determines what you do with money. What I'm going to tell you today really is going to put an exclamation mark on that. And see, because I've already said the word tithes and offerings, some of you are going to push back at that. And I get it. I did too for a long time. I got to be careful. I got this. Anybody dealing with pollen? So I've, I've got this volume level that I can go to without coughing. And I've already exceeded that. So... What you believe about money determines what you do with money. Here's what I want you to know. A message to families and individuals about money, about finances, is critical. It's critical. Depending on the study that you read, family finances are the leading cause for divorce in America. It's at least the top three in every study that you read. It's usually in the top two. You can, you know, guess for yourself what the other one is. But money is the, one of the leading causes of divorce in America. Uh, <laughs> interestingly, breakdown in communication is always in the top. What happens when you combine those two? It's a perfect storm. Couples who argue about money once a week have a 30% higher chance of winding up in divorce court. Here's, here's where it gets scary, y'all. 50% of married people confess to having lied to their spouses about money. A survey conducted by creditcards.com revealed that 6 million Americans have hidden financial accounts from their spouses or live-in partners. That's a problem. And, and what I'm going to tell you is that what we need to do as individuals, single folk, married folk, married again folks, I never want to be married again folks. 
is to recognize that God has a plan for your life and that God has a plan for your finances. And what I'm going to talk to you about today is that plan. And I don't know how to say it other than just to say it like this. It works, and it works for everybody. So if you're taking notes, here's the deal. The path to financial health begins with generosity. I believe that. Um, and let me tell you why I said it that way. There's some myths about generosity that are prevalent in our society and are prevalent in the church. I'm going to give you, I just jotted down four. The first one is, I can't afford to be generous. Um, I, hey, listen, I'm not going to beat you up for that because I've, I said that for a long time. I got to, you know, when Donna and I were first married, we bought our house a year and a half into our marriage and we were way over our head. How many know that you probably shouldn't buy the house that the banks tell you that you can afford? That gets you in some trouble, right? Well, we were there and, and had no business having that, that mortgage. We, but, but God was faithful. And I can tell you there were times when I, when I thought, well, I, I wish I had something left over to give to God. I wish I had something left over to give to my church. And there was never anything left over. And I, I bought into that myth that I can't afford to be generous. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you that you can't afford not to be generous. I'm, I'm gonna tell you that you're among the wealthiest people on the planet, and if we, as a nation, as a culture, can't afford to be generous, then nobody can. Uh, you and I need to be leading the way in generosity, um, and we aren't. In fact, some studies say the church is below the national average in their generous giving. How is that even possible? So the first myth is I can't afford to be generous. I'm going to tell you, yes, you can. The second myth is when I earn more, I'll be generous. Listen to me. No, you won't. That's a lie. When I earn more, when, when I get the income where it needs to be, I'll be, no, you won't. If, listen to me. If you're not going to be faithful in the little things, you're not going to be faithful in the big things. The third myth is what little I give won't make a difference. And, and I've heard that. I've heard people say, man, I, I, I wish that my tithe could be more because I know this isn't really making a dent. Listen to me. There's an old, old song in the Redback Hymnal that says, little as much when God is in it. And I'm going to tell you that God can do more with obedience of a little and cause it to do incredible things in the kingdom of God. There's a little story about, a, about an old lady giving an offering that was given sacrificially and gave less than everybody else. And Jesus says she gave more. So I'm going to tell you, don't believe that lie. See, that lie is the enemy trying to tell you, oh, you, don't bother. You're not making a difference. Stop. Stop. Because you are. And the last one is that generosity is for the wealthy. Maybe it's true, but you're among the wealthy. Everybody in this room, we talked about that last week. If you, if you had a couple of meals yesterday and slept in a roof over your head, do you know what the mark, what, what one of the barometers for wealth is across the world? 
if you've got a running refrigerator with food in it. See, if you have a running refrigerator with food in it, you're among the wealthiest people in the world. I'm going to tell you, we simply have no excuse to not be generous in our culture. You know, I, I, I don't think anybody does. We especially don't. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reiterate this. The path to financial health begins with generosity. It begins with generosity. I, I don't want you to buy the lie that says, when I get my financial house in order, I'll be more generous. I, I want you to hear me. For the follower of Christ, it's backwards. It, it shouldn't work this way, but it does. It shouldn't work so much that, well, the first thing I'm going to do is give away a portion of my income and then everything. It, it shouldn't work that way, but it does. Aren't you glad that the gospel is full of things that shouldn't work? The creator of the universe shouldn't sacrifice his only son for people like you and me, but he did. People who have a sordid past like you and me shouldn't walk in freedom and blessing and favor, but we do, right? So yeah, it probably shouldn't work, but it does. So I'm going to talk to you about a couple of things today. I want to talk to you about the number one barrier to biblical generosity. It's fear. We are afraid. We're afraid there won't be enough left over. Any, will anybody confess with me that that's been a fear? There won't, if I give, there won't be enough left over. Sometimes we fear that we, don't, we won't get a return on our investment. That if I... That might be a guy thing. I don't know. But when we like to, when we invest in something, to get something back. Jesus said it this way. Give, and it'll be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together. In other words, he's going to take, you ever, you ever try to fit something into a container? And, and the only way you could get something else to fit was to shake it? Jesus said, give, and it'll be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together. Running over will men give to your bosom. Men give. What I'm trying to tell you is there is a return on your investment. And it's not always financial, though. Come on, somebody. And here's the greatest fear from the body of Christ. The greatest fear. You're afraid that the principles and the scriptures and the promises that God gives us about financial health and stability will work for everybody but you. There is an antidote for fear. The antidote for fear is trust. Um, somebody posted something on Facebook this past week that talked about how when you live in a pastor's house, you're probably going to be a sermon illustration sooner or later. Well, that's true. And I don't apologize. So I'm going to tell you about Mikey and Matthew. <laughs> when, they were, when they were little and we were on vacation swimming in a swimming pool. And, and you may have had a similar experience like this. Because Donna's not a great swimmer. Yes. I was trying to be nice and kind. But Donna swims like a rock. 
All right, so I'll just let that. And so I kind of was the one that was encouraging, and Donna was terrified that I was trying to get the boys to jump into the pool. But I, I'm, I'm like, all right, all right, Mike, come on, jump, jump today. And he, he's on the edge of the, he's on the edge of the pool, and he got just close to the knee to step back. Edge of the pool, then he stepped back. And then finally, he just jumped. Guess what the first thing he wanted to do once he jumped in? Do it again. Wore me out. Because I don't, I don't, if you're just a little, a little guy, you catch a little guy 112 times, it, it, you get sore. It's, uh, and then it was, hey, hey, let me throw you. Let me stand in the middle of the pool and just toss you. I don't know. And sooner or later, all right, I throw him. He's, you know, legs gangling around. Splash. The daughter's like, what are you doing? Like, I got this. Guess what I had to do for an hour and a half that day? So here's, here's my question. Why is jumping in the water easier the second time? Because he knew daddy wasn't going to let anything happen to him that was going to hurt him. Your heavenly father loves you much more than I could ever love my child. And he's not going to let something, he's not going to lie to you. He's not going to put these principles in the book and then go, just kidding. Now, I might not be opposed to later in life saying, come on, I'll catch you, and then moving out of the way. I would probably do that. In fact, I probably did. God's not going to do that. God's not going to do that. If you're true, let me say it like this. Sooner or later, you're going to have to take a leap. Sooner or later, you're going to have to jump in to God's plan of finances. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. My wife's favorite verse. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding because it shouldn't work. You hear me? It shouldn't work. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. I believe that he's given us in Scripture a path to take. So I want to share that with you today. Most of what we're going to talk about today, those of you that are following along in your Bibles, or it's going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. Very, very powerful passage of Scripture that teaches us a lot about God's plan for our finances. Here we go. First thing I want you to understand is God wants you to give first. 1 Corinthians 16, 2 says, on the first day of each week. Man, can I tell you that there was a time when I, I wanted to be generous, but I'd, I'd wait to the end. Of, you know, I'd, I'd pay all the bills, and then there's just, there's just nothing left. Now, you're going to ask me how to make this work on a spreadsheet, and I don't know how. But there was a point that came where we said, all right, we're just going to be faithful, and we're going to start writing our tithe check first. Listen to me. Nothing, my income hadn't changed. Our debt load hadn't changed. Nothing changed. But we started writing our tithe check first. And guess what happened? There was enough. How does that work? I don't know. I'm not a CPA. I'd be the worst one on the planet. What do you say true for? What is that? <laughs> on the first day of the week. Listen. Get, I, I think this principle is... 
What, what are you saying to God when you say, God, I don't, I don't know what my future holds. I don't know what the rest of this week looks like. I don't know what, but I'm going to honor you first. It's a big deal. I said that's the first step. It might be the hardest one. To get into, and listen, we've done all we can do to make it easy for you. You you can be at your home, legs propped up on your phone, and and be obedient in your giving. I got to be a little transparent in the way I do things just to share this with you. I'm going to tell you how I've learned to do it for Dwayne, all right? I do everything online. Anybody else do everything online? All right. I, I pay my bills online. I deposit my paycheck online. Donna's check goes direct deposit. At the same time, I've got our, on our online, it pulls, it, it pulls Donna's money before, it, it just doesn't. I don't have to do anything. When I deposit my check online, I watch my bank account. And the moment I see that check clear, I write my tithe check. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. Because I'm, I need you to know that I hadn't always done that. And, it, and our financial health changed the day we started doing that. All right. God wants you to give first. Number two, God wants you to give regularly. Look, it says on the first day of each week. The first day of each week. You say, well, I get paid once a month. I, okay. It's a principle here. All right. You understand what I'm saying? Somebody said, I get paid weekly. Very weekly. Oh, no. Somebody, I'll get that later. On the first day of each week, you should put aside a portion of the money that you give. Um, I, I believe God honors faithfulness, and I believe God honors consistency. Um, I, I don't know what else to say about that. Number three, God wants you to give proportionally. He said, 1 Corinthians 16, 2, on the first day of each week, you should set aside, you should each set aside, you should each put aside a portion of the money you've earned. Um, Now, we're going to talk about proportions a little bit later. Um, And and that's that's where a lot of people get scared. I don't don't understand um, how how I can make that kind of an investment. And here's what I tell people that are that are new to tithing, um, you know, start with a goal. Um, if 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 you're not at a ten percent, and and by the way, that's what a tithe is, right? You understand that a tithe is ten percent. And, and this this is not in your notes, but I'm gonna say if you'll if you'll take this advice, it'll change your financial financial health. If if you'll operate on the ten ten eighty rule, if you'll give ten. Save 10, live on 80. I can't live on 80. See, you're, you're, there's your fear. Give 10, save 10, live on 80. It'll change your financial health. It, it probably won't change it overnight. See, that's what we expect. Well, God, I, I, I know I'm $140,000 in debt, but I, I gave 10 bucks in the offering. It's not, okay. This is a principle. That if you'll start to live your life this way, it'll change your financial health. God wants you to give proportionally. God wants you to give from your heart and not your mind. You know why? Because it don't make sense in your mind. 
He said, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. That's 2 Corinthians 9, 7. So God wants you to give from your heart and not your mind. God wants you to give from your heart and not your mind. God wants you to give willingly. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. So listen to me. If you feel pressured from Pastor Dwayne to, to start something you really don't want to... St- Listen to me, because I mean this from the depths of my being. Keep it. If you think I'm just trying to twist your arm so, you know, we can have more money come into into the church, keep it. I want you to do this because you recognize that it's God's plan and God's purpose. And the way God's instituted this thing. I don't want to twist your arm. I don't want to coerce you. I don't want to manipulate you. I want you to look in God's word and see, this just might work. Because it does, y'all. And because I love you. And you just don't understand how much I love you. And it breaks my heart to see you struggle and strapped. And I'm just going to tell you, you don't have to be that way. I'm not going to tell you it's going to be easy. But if you'll do things God's way. He can put you on a path to financial help. And you give willing. And then lastly. God wants you to give joyfully. It ought to put a smile on your face. When you're able to be generous. Can I tell you something? It's not just about tithes and offerings. And I, I tell you, I, I feel strongly. Let me just take a poll. If you're here and you ever served weighted tables at a restaurant at any point in your life, raise your hand. Look, there's, there's quite, a, quite a few, okay? So here's my question. The, if you ever worked on a Sunday afternoon, could you tell when the church people got there? They were always sweet and kind to you, weren't they? They were always patient and loving, weren't they? And you always, always got a bigger tip from church people than you did anybody else. The the laughter you hear is because those things aren't true. You ought to be generous. You ought to... You ought to take care of that young lady that's waiting your table, that young man that's waiting your table. And if you can't, then you probably need to go through the drive-thru. I'm not kidding. Eat at home. Yeah, do something. I guess what I'm trying to say is that Christian people ought to be generous. Christian people, because, listen, they, you don't have to tell them you're church people. They know. You ought to blow their mind. Oh, I'm going to blow their mind. I, I give this fake $20 bill with the gospel on the back of it instead of a tip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, don't do that. Be generous. Give. Because you've been blessed. And it ought to make you smile when you do that. In fact, that word 
uh, God loves a person who gives cheerfully or, or a cheerful giver. That Greek word is where we get our word hilarious. It ought to bring you that kind of joy when you're able to not just give in your church and support your church, or, but when you're generous to other people. It ought to bring that kind of joy. And if it doesn't, th there's probably something wrong. All right. Here's, here's what I want to share with you. You don't have a blank for this, so I need you to look at me in my eyes. Not being generous isn't a sickness. It, it's a symptom of something deeper. See, I, I think for the most part, I, I think Christian people that grew up or that have been around the church very long have a pretty good understanding of what they should do. But so many people have a hard time jumping in, <laughs> jumping in that pool. And I think the reason is because there's, there's something deeper going on. I wonder if part of the problem is we just haven't figured out just how good our, our, our amazing father is. And that he can be trusted. And so I, if, if that's you and, and you've, put a, you've put a wall up against your your generous giving, your generous living. And I'm going to ask you to search your heart this morning. I'm not saying that from a critical spirit. I'm saying that because I want to see you walk in freedom. I'm saying that because I want to see you walk in, 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 in financial favor. And listen, I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher. Y'all know that. That's not who I am. I'm just telling you that God's plan works. And it works for Everybody. So if you've, if you've noticed the symptom, maybe you need to ask the Holy Spirit to diagnose the sickness. I'm going to give you four, four action steps of how you can move toward generosity in your life. And listen, here's what I don't want you to do either. Some of you are going to say, hey, listen, uh, I'm, I got this covered. I'm, you know, I, I pay my tithes and I give any offering and blah, 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 blah. So none of this applies to me. Stop that today. Stop that today. The first thing I want you to ask yourself, the first step is to ask yourself this question. What am I afraid of? If I try to plug into God's plan, what, what am I afraid of happening? Yeah, are, are you afraid of there not being enough left over? Are, are you afraid of there not being a return on your investment? I'm going to tell you a story. And, and I've been transparent about my search for a truck. Well, I bought one. And, and here's what would be real easy. Because I bought one that's about, it's eight years old. But it's new to me. Come on, somebody. Uh, and, and I love it. It's, it's new to me, and it, 
It's clean and it's a truck. <laughs> Man, it makes my voice growl, just saying it. It's a truck. You know, if, if I'd have just... <coughs> Y'all, excuse me, I'm sorry. I've been doing that all day. If I'd have just said, well, if I... If I could take what I give to the church and add it to the car payment, I might could have bought a newer one. You know what? I could have. I, this is going to sound very preachery, but I mean this from my heart. I'd rather have an eight-year-old truck that's blessed than a brand new one that I had to rob God to get. Oh, that was mean, but it's true. So first thing you're going to ask yourself, what am I afraid of? Second thing, I want you to look for opportunities to be generous. What does that look like, Dwayne? I'm going to tell you, every one of you are going to pass an opportunity to be generous on your way out the door. There's a bin back there where you could... Spend $2.89 on a couple cans of dog food and drop it in that bin next Sunday. Well, I don't have a dog. I don't care. When you're at the grocery store, spend $4 on, on some dog food and drop it in there. Listen, I know there's probably not a lot of wealthy people in this room. You can spare $4. You can look for an opportunity to be generous. And, and what's just $4 to you may keep somebody else from deciding whether to buy groceries or dog food. Don't look for an opportunity to stiff your waitress because your sweet tea got dry. You don't know that she's not going home to, she's a single mom to two kids. You don't know what she's going home to. And you don't have the right. See, I'm, I'm on cold medicine, so it makes me mean. <laughs> you don't have the right to say, you, you don't know what she's going home to. It's really not your business. I know, I get it. I told y'all my story of being mean to the dude at the Mexican restaurant last Friday night, and I have worn it like a, I had to repent. I did, I had to repent. God forgive me for being a jerk when it wasn't his fault. Which leads me to my next action step. Check your attitude. Well, I'm, I'm going to write this offering check because I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> Come on, y'all. I'm going to write this offering check because I know I'm supposed to. Man, something's wrong. I want you to jump into this with the same joy that a child who's realized he can jump in that pool and his daddy catch him. Because it's that kind of freedom. It's that kind of joy. And I want that for you. The other thing I want you to do is I want you to change your default. When, you, when we talk about our attitude. You know what our default is? How many, how many of you never carry cash? 
I, I, I was getting ready to walk up here to preach, and I had to borrow this dollar bill. <laughs> you know what? I, and I asked him, I said, make sure you just give me a dollar, because I, I probably won't give it back. <clears throat> no, I will. I promise. I promise I'll try. It, here's our default is we want to say, okay, well, this is mine. And I'm going to hang on to it all I can. And, and while you're right, nothing, nothing's going to get out of that. But guess what? Ain't nothing getting in. You know what our default ought to be? God, I don't own anything. Remember last week? You own it all. All this is passes through my hands. You determine where it passes. I promise you. Now listen. God, God doesn't want you to not pay your bills. Well, if I, if I give him what, I'm going to be able to pay my mortgage. God, that's not what God wants for you. Change the default. Approach your world with an open hand. God, make me generous. And, it, and listen, if, if this isn't you today, it's a process, and I get that. But there's joy there, and there's freedom there. And lastly, I want you to accept the tithe challenge. This is our fourth year from doing this. It's where I say, in the, in the tithe challenge, for those of you that might not understand it, is this. And, and here's where I can I put, my, put our money where our, my mouth is. Because here's how firmly I believe in this. If for 90 days you'll offer a biblical tithe for 90 days, if at the end of 90 days you can look at me with conviction and say, I wasn't blessed because of it. I'll give you your money back. We've been doing this. This is now the fourth year. Ask me how many times we've had to write a check. You know why? Because it works. It works for everybody. So on the back of your connection card, here's your, it says, I accept the tithe challenge. Let me tell you who needs to check that. It, it got confusing last year because everybody checked the box. If, if, you're, if you're currently... A biblical tither, and that means 10% of your income goes to the church, don't check the box. If you aren't and you're committing for the next 90 days, then I want you to check it. And, and here's what's going to happen. You'll get some email from me, and it'll just be some encouraging, it's an encouraging email that, you know, every, every couple of weeks, I'll, I'll send you some encouragement, I'll send you some scripture, and, and I don't know how to say it anymore. It works. And it works for everybody. And I want it to work for you. I said all of this to say this last thing. God doesn't want your money. God wants your heart. L listen to me. I've said this before, but I mean it from the depths of my soul. If God wanted your money, he'd take it. God's not interested in your 
coin. He's interested in your heart. And, and listen, and I don't know why it is, but, but maybe <laughs> I, I don't know why, but it seems like that's the part that we hold on to the, the longest. The hardest. We, God, I, I love you, but I just can't do this. And I'm going to tell you that you can. I'm going to tell you that it works. And that God's not on a pursuit. He's not saying, well, unless you give that $43 this week, the kingdom of heaven is shattering. We're going bankrupt if you don't. No. But listen, God doesn't, God doesn't need your money, but you need to be obedient. And it'll change you. Because here's the truth. A closed fist is often controlled by a closed heart. And he wants you to open your heart. You've let the fear of what might happen if, you obe if you're obedient close your heart. And I'm just going to say open your heart. I had to do an assignment this past week. Um, and, it, and it said... Should the gospel, the story of Christ, be a part of every sermon, even topical ones like money, family? And I sent back my response. Yes, yes, dot, 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 yes, dot, yes, 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 exclamation point, smiley face. <laughs> College professors don't like smiley face. Because here's, listen, if you're here and, you're, and your heart isn't open to Christ, if you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, none of this makes sense. What God wants from you is to understand that he gave you more than you could ever, ever, ever give back. God, as a result of his phenomenal love for you and for humanity, sent his son Jesus. He walked into this world. And he lived 33 years and he died and he rose again. And today, the Bible says he's at the right hand of the Father praying for you. Man, I heard this quote this week. I think it was my wife shared it. And it's, this is not a quote, but it said, If you're a follower of Christ, Jesus has spoken your name to the Father. Just let that settle for a minute. I, I want you to hear that the reason God's put these provisions and, and principles in Scripture isn't for Him. It's for you. Because He wants you to have an abundant life. And listen, what we've done in the church world, we've take that, taken that word abundant, we've made it mean money and cars and stuff, and it's so much more than that. I want, I want you to have an abundant life, not just that you've got enough money to go out to eat on Sunday afternoon. I want you to have an abundant life where you lay your head on your pillow and you know that your life has been redeemed by the cross of Christ. So Don's going to come and play the piano. We're going to pray. I want you to, I want you to know I prayed for this message because I want you to see that it's not a it's not just a money thing. It's, it's a surrender thing. 
And if there's parts of your life today, oh, by the way, we can stop talking about money today and fill in whatever blank you want to fill in. If there's, if there's parts of your life that are unsurrendered, it, it could be money, could be your future, could be your family, could be your career, could be your addiction. Could be your anger, your resentment from something that happened a long time ago that you've got no control over. It'd be so much more than just money. But if there's something in your heart that's unsurrendered, that you're hanging on to with a closed fist, I'm going to pray that you open your heart today. And whatever it is that you're hanging on to, you just lay at the foot of the cross. Your hurt, your anger, your resentment, your, your addiction, your pain, your finances. And by laying at the foot of the cross, here's what you're saying. God, I trust you with this. And you leave it there. So I want you to bow your heads with me. going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to, now obviously these altars are always open anytime you want to come pray around these altars. And that's, that's fine. But I believe right where you're sitting, whatever thing you're holding on with a closed fist, it could be a lot of different things. What I want you to do when I'm going to play and sing this song maybe just once or twice is just offer it to God. Say, God, I, I'm... And, and maybe you want to just be so symbolic as to take your closed fist and turn it upside down and open it up and say, God, here it is, and now it's yours. It's yours anyway. Take my hurt, take my resentment, take my sin yours I surrender every part of my life including my finances because I believe you've got a purpose and a plan don't don't sing while we pray God, we open our hand. 
and say, God, we, we surrender. We surrender our, our hurt, our pain, our addiction, our sin. It's yours. Take it. Do with it what you will. That includes our finances. Take and do with them what you will. Teach me to be a steward. Teach me to be responsible as to how you would have me handle those resources that you bless me with. And God, I pray for families right now that are, are deciding, individuals right now that are deciding to accept this challenge. God, I pray that you would help them to understand that you are trustworthy, that I can jump in this pool because I know my father's not going to let me drown. I can jump in this pool and I can be joyful and willing to follow God's plan for my life, my finances, my family. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Here's what I want you to do before Donna comes and receives the offering. On the back of that connection card, if you want to accept that challenge, just check that box. By checking that box, you say, okay. When I'm jumping in, I'm going to do this for 90 days. Maybe, maybe you're a regular giver, but you're not at that, at that tithe place. But you're saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this for 90 days. Believing that God's going to be faithful, and He will. Donna's going to come. that you gather today that you can trust God. Everything he has for you is good. Why would you not want to step out and just follow his word and be obedient to it? Trust him because everything he has for you is good. And, and the only person you're hurting is you when you're not stepping out and following him obedient. So I just encourage you as our usher serve you today to be obedient in your tithes and your offerings and just watch God and see how faithful he is and how he'll follow through with you and bless you.